Gospel reading for this morning comes from John's Gospel, beginning in the sixth chapter at the first verse. And John wrote these things. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Well, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Well, two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get just a little. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Well, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, and Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. And perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountaintop by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. And he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. And then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Author of life, you have written us into your great work. You've given us all an important role. Help us to rediscover who we are, who you created us to be. And help us to go back to your created intention, to do good work in this world, to care for all of your gifts of creation, and to be your body of Christ here on earth. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. Well, you know, a child plays an important part in our story for today in recognizing that school has begun for some and is just on the horizon for others. I thought it fit to begin with a story from school. We all know that children can sometimes process problems on more than one level. So consider with me the teacher who wrote on the blackboard, I ain't had no fun all summer. 
I ain't had no fun all summer. Now, Sam, she asked, what shall I do to correct this? Well, go and get a boyfriend, Ms. Hughes, Sam replied. <laughs> so there are two stories in the gospel reading for this morning, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the water during a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And basically, I think these two stories answer two important questions. First, how can five loaves of barley bread and two small fish feed so many people? And we learn that if you are bold enough to give to Jesus what you have to work with, he can miraculously make much more of it than you could ever possibly imagine. And second, how can we be saved from those things in life that overtake us, overwhelm us, or threaten to harm us? When the storms of life threaten us, we can turn to the one who is stronger than we are, stronger than the storms themselves. Because we have all learned that we can't avoid storms. They come to the good, the bad, the indifferent. And just as God doesn't promise to keep us from the valley of the shadow of death, God also doesn't promise to eliminate storms from our lives. On the other hand, God does promise that we can get through life's valleys and storms if we but trust in Jesus. Now, essentially, that's the message in both our stories in our reading for this morning. But in the first story, the feeding of the vast multitude, Philip is faced with what seems to be an unsolvable problem. Seeing the large crowd, Jesus turns to Philip and says, Hey, where are we to buy bread so that these people might eat? And they're out in the hill country of Galilee, and they had not eaten for a time. And the question put to Philip seemingly has no good answer. And Philip responds to Jesus, well, I'm telling you, even 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get just a little. But Andrew? Now, Andrew, he's a bringer. He brought people to Jesus. The most famous, of course, was Andrew's brother, Simon Peter. I doubt that Andrew had any idea the day he introduced Peter to Jesus what the Lord might do with Andrew's blustery big brother. But Jesus already had some things in mind for Peter. Jesus already knew about Peter and could see past the denials to Peter preaching to thousands on the day of Pentecost. But would you imagine with me what would it have been like if Andrew hadn't brought Peter to Jesus? So while the other disciples are complaining about the cost of groceries, Andrew brought a boy's lunch to Jesus. It wasn't much, but it was all he had. And you see, folks, bringers do the best they can with what is at hand rather than complain. And I don't know about you, but I believe that the world would be a lot better off if we had more bringers and less complainers. 
And when Andrew brought that boy's lunch, those five barley loaves and two fish, Jesus went to work. We just never know what Jesus has in mind until we bring him something or someone. A wise man once said, when all else fails, go back to the instructions. I think that's primarily towards men this morning. <laughs> but the idea works in these stories and indeed in our everyday lives. In our instruction book, folks, it's right here. And one of the central themes of this book is that by faith we can turn control of our lives over to God. It's a matter of giving up control to the Lord who's the one who's really in control in the first place. Like the boy who willingly gave his lunch and the disciples, we all really only have small amounts of resource to meet really big needs. Barley loaves were the cheapest kind of bread in Jesus' day. According to New Testament scholar William Barclay, only poor people ate barley bread because barley was usually fed to the animals. It was held in contempt by most people. Barclay reasons that the two fish also were about the size of sardines. Those are small resources. And like the small resources in the story of the feeding of the multitudes, our resources are small for the tasks that are before us today. A little guy went up for the children's time, children's sermon in his church. And the pastor asked, well, what is gray, has a bushy tail, and runs up and down a tree? Well, the little guy thought for a moment and then said, well... It sounds like a squirrel, but since this is church, the right answer must be Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's not just in church that the right answer is Jesus. It's really in all of life. All of our resources are limited. Some tasks are just beyond what we could possibly do, but Jesus can and does multiply our resources. In spite of what might seem small to us, the story urges us to bring what we have to Jesus. And when we bring our talents and our gifts to the Lord, they are expanded. And the gifts of God, they're potentially there in people too, folks. It's just a matter of encouraging their use by encouraging people to use them. And when we bring people to Jesus, we find that God can and often does work wonders with them. You plus your money, that's not going to amount to much. You plus your success, will eventually fade away. You plus a big reputation, that'll be gone in no time at all. But if you turn your gifts over to God, if you give up trying to control all the aspects of your life and you turn it over to God, now that, folks, 
That's a different story. You plus God can be an incredible partnership both for this life and the next. Well, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And the storm comes up on the Sea of Galilee. And many of the disciples we know were fishermen. They'd seen storms before. But it was night. And it was dark. And it was dangerous. And they knew it. And they were afraid because of the rough waves and the violent wind. And they were even more afraid when they saw a shadowy figure coming towards them, walking on top of the water. They were terrified. But Jesus had seen what was happening on the sea. And the boat was in trouble. His friends were in trouble. When we are caught in the storms of life, Jesus comes to us, even though it doesn't feel that way sometimes. And I really think that this story of Jesus walking on the water is about Jesus coming to where we are. That is the real miracle. Jesus moves towards us when we are in trouble. Jesus cares about what is happening with us. Jesus comes to us in the storms of life. And you know, sometimes Jesus comes as a shadowy figure and we don't recognize it right away. And sometimes it's only after the event or the storm is over that we see that Jesus comes to us where we are. And sometimes it's only later when we really think about what's been going on and we realize that God was there leading us through a time when we thought, all was lost. And sometimes God shows up by using other people in our lives. And sometimes we're only able to see where God has been and not where God is. And that's kind of what happened with Moses when he wanted to see God. But remember, God would only let him see God's backside, God's back parts. And to see God's back parts is to see where God has been. You can see the fingerprints of God on your past, even though you don't see God's presence in your present. And some of you, you may well want to see God face to face. But instead, if you look closely, you may see God strongly at work in your life through the gift of other people. A man told his pastor, I quit. I will never come back to church again. Well, can you tell me why? The pastor asked. Certainly, the man replied. I was up in Alaska on a fishing trip. I got lost, and a major snowstorm isolated me from everyone. And I prayed, and I prayed to God to help me, but nothing happened, nothing at all. And that's why I'm through with God and the church. But you're here, and you're alive, said the pastor. What happened? Oh, well, an Eskimo came along and saved me. <laughs> you know, God sometimes comes to us in the form of other people. 
And that, I believe, is most often when we have a difficulty of realizing God at work. In that story, God showed up and answered the prayers of a desperate man in Alaska. But the man just never made the connection. So I ask you this morning, as you look back over your own story, how many Eskimos are there? So what really runs through these two wonderful stories for today? I really think it's something like knowing that God is the most important thing of all. Like the number one thing. And that means that the number one thing is not me. And the number one thing is knowing God. It is where we can hang our hats when our limited resources are seen for what they are. And when the storms of life remind us once again that we are not in control. We're simply to bring what we have to the table and to completely trust in God. Knowing that Jesus comes to us where we are. So I encourage you today to simply have faith because it is always enough. To God be the glory. Amen.